Hey everyone, my name is Samo Siddiqui. I'm the mayor of Cambridge. And I'm Alana Mountain, the vice mayor. And this is our sometimes bi-weekly weekly podcast, Women Are Here. We're here. Hey. Hey, we're here. We're here. We are, our eyes are open. Our, it is, and it's Friday afternoon, and usually at this time, we're both kind of dragging. Yeah. But I feel like we're both okay. I had some coffee. I had, well, I had a lot of coffee this morning. Oh, I didn't have as much as you had, but <laughs> I'm okay. It's possible that I might have had too much, but we'll find out. <laughs> Um, so I want to, there's a couple of shout outs I want to do. One to Judy Nathan. Yes. Who is a longtime listener who actually said, I think to both of us the other night that she's very disappointed we don't talk about TV anymore. And that we're not fun. And that we're not fun. She didn't say that. But, but she, she meant like, it. Yeah. It was like a little bit in her eyes. She was like, try to be more fun. Right. So Judy, we have taken your note. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you and your longtime listening. And also, um, Kala from the Elizabeth Warren campaign. Um, I met her the other night. She's very active on Twitter. She's very supportive of Elizabeth Warren, and she listens to our podcast every Aww. week. And I was so ex- I was like, "You do? <laughs> Why? Someone does." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I do want to tell you that. Uh, so it was school vacation last week, so we weren't here, and I binge watched the last season of The Good Place. Have you ever seen that? I want to watch it. It's so good, and I think you would like it. First of all, um, Kristen Bell is amazing. She's so funny. So the premise of the show, do you know the premise of the show? Yeah. Like they, she dies. She dies and she goes to like a good place, the good place. Um, but she's, they think she's someone else. So she's kind of there as a fraud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like her trying to figure out how to be a better person so that they'll let her stay when they figure out she's a giant fraud. Anyways, it was the end. It was the series finale. Oh. I, I cried my face off. I mean, it started off as like a really funny show and then it just like turned into this sort of mirror to society and like how hard it is to be a good person when every decision you make is fraught with like for example the whole reason you get it the way that you get into the the good place is you get a bunch of points either negative or positive points while you're on earth like when you do good things you get positive points so when you die depending on the number of points you get you either go to the good place or the bad place so but any decision you might make like you're you love sparkling water right and you drink it a ton but like we could find out that sparkling water is actually polluting a giant river some in some other part of the world and so you would go you would think you were going to the good place because you drink water all the time but you're Mm -hmm. you're actually ruining the environment so every choice that we make has negative impacts so anyways it was really interesting to watch that sort of come up and i cried my eyes out oh i want to watch it now No, it's good and it's like you know half an hour show so it's pretty quick and seriously (laughs) tahani Jamila Al-Jamil, who you know who I love, because she's like a body oh, yeah. positive person on, on Twitter. But um, she's so funny. <laughs> it's really funny. You should watch it. Okay. I will watch it. And you love Ted Danson. Oh, yeah. He's on. He's like the he's like the architect of the neighborhood. And he was like on my favorite show when I was growing up. Cheers, obviously. That's not my era, but yeah. I know. I'm like <laughs> totally kidding. dating myself. Remember <laughs> Cheers? <laughs> Ted Danson was hot. <laughs> <laughs> not like I do remember white cheers, hair though I do I know he he was attractive he was yeah 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 so I have not been watching much I did I've been reading Just Mercy oh, what's at, at night before I go to bed um it's the I got it in the mail from someone and I don't know who sent it to me an so anonymous you know book sent donor it to me, like it came in like an there like was an a Amazon note. or something it was a note a gift card note but I don't, I still can't figure out who that note's from. Did it have like a QR code on it? Oh, I have to check. Because when we get socks, you yes. can check the QR yes. code okay. and it comes up and it tells you who the person was. I'm going to find the note. Oh, I just solved your mystery. You did. So anyways, I have this book and it's, oh, it's about um, inmates on death row and 
it's just a really powerful, powerful book. It just was made into a movie as well. I'm not oh. doing it justice by by even explaining it, but read Just Mercy, people. Anyway, I've been re- I've been reading that before I go to bed, and then I'm also been watching Shameless. Have you heard of Shameless? I have. I've never gotten into it. Yeah, it's on the He's like an season. alcoholic or something? Yeah, okay. William H. Macy and his family. It's, well, I love him. It's pretty funny, um, but That's you have to really... Because, but he's an alcoholic. <laughs> you have to start really, really early. Okay. Um, like season one to get into it. Anyway, that's it's going to be on its last season soon. So we have been watching TV. Ten seasons? It's on its tenth season. It's going, eleventh is going to be its last. Holy. So you really see the kids grow. It's, it's, you know, it's heartwarming sometimes. See, we are still fun. Yeah, we're kind of fun. <laughs> when we get, yeah. We've both been very tired this week. Mm-hmm. People have been like, you look tired. Oh, I know. We were at that event the other night right. and the city manager was like, are you sick? You should go home. <laughs> I'm just tired. You can see your eyes. You're tired. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we had a lot going on this week and last week. Uh, so we uh, on Monday talked about library fines. And so we both um, filed this order asking the city manager and the library to look at ways to eliminate, eliminate library fines. And this is an issue I, I first learned about, I'd say, last term. Uh, and so it, it's near and dear to my heart and yours, I know, as well. And uh uh, you know, for me, especially, I remember thinking back when I would go to the library, the Valentin library, and, and then I'd have late fees, and I would just, I, I, I'd like be like, oh my god, mom and dad, do you have some money so I can like pay my late fees? And they'd be like, oh my god, like why do you, why do you right. think take things out? But you know, sometimes I just like I loved reading, so I'd just keep it and forget. But like, I, you know, th- or you loved a book so much, you just kept it as long as you could, right? And read right. it over and over, over I and totally over. Totally did that, and didn't, and then you accumulate these fees. And right. usually, our librarians, you know, are really great. They're like, it's yeah. all good. Don't worry about it. But it's it, this 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 issue. It's it's not a new thing. Many municipalities across the country have recently eliminated library f- fines, like Philadelphia, LA, Denver, San Francisco, Phoenix, Dallas, and Chicago, and all the cities have implemented a fine-free library system. Um, they've experienced increased rates of material returns, increased library patronage, and increased library access for low-income residents who may have difficulty paying late fines. And, and nationally, um, we see that the library library uh, fines disproportionately affect low-income residents. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in fact, our own data shows that the largest percentage of um, blocked accounts, their home libraries are uh, in the central... Uh, at the Central Square Library, the O'Connell Library, and the O'Neill Branch Libraries. And so we both spoke and had a meeting uh, with the director of library and our staff when crafting this order and got some great data for them. And so um, we were able to use that to inform um, the policy and, and advocate for, for this change. And so when doing research for this, we also, you know, we both saw a lot of quotes. And a quote that stuck with me was uh, from Curtis Rogers at the Urban Libraries Council in D.C., which is, it states, fines don't teach responsibility. They just reinforce the difference between people who are able to pay for a common mistake and those who aren't. Yeah, that was a really powerful one for me um, in, t- in terms of trying to figure out whether or not this was the right policy for us. So I, we had a lot of questions about this, you know, how much it would cost, and we collected a lot of data from um, our own libraries and from nationally. But in Cambridge last year, we collected close to $80,000 in library fines, which is less than 0.07% of the total library budget. Um, so it's a very small amount. And then in terms of breakdown, a few people asked us, the library estimated that 20 to 30% of those payments are for lost and replacement charges, and the balance are really just for overdue fine payments, like you were mentioning earlier, like you kept, you loved a book and you kept it out a little too long. And those fines are really hurting another vul- a vulnerable group of our population, right? 
with right. students. So while the public library doesn't charge late fees on children's or young adult materials, uh, juvenile patrons are cha- charged late fees for items checked out from the general collection. So if a high school student checks out materials for a research project and returns them late, fines can accrue very quickly, especially if the material was borrowed from the Commonwealth Catalog Commonwealth Catalog or the Interlibrary Loan, those items currently incur a $2 per day late fee. So yeah. it's it's a lot of data to show and support that this um, is, a, is a policy that we should be taking on. Yeah, and as of February 7th, 14% of the patrons that owe money of any amount are under age 18. So that's a lot of people who kids are, are either blocked from using the library or have opted to not use the library due to fines that they can't pay. So when we think about the achievement and opportunity gap for our students, we need to be using every tool in our collective toolbox to, to make sure all our kids have access to all these resources. That's right. Um, you know, the research is very clear. The fines aren't a deterrent. They're expensive to administer. They disproportionately affect low-income residents who need the resources the most. And I'm really looking to Cambridge to join, you know, we're really looking to Cambridge to join the number of growing communities to eliminate those library fines and provide that that access to all of our residents. Exactly. So stay tuned. Um, another item on the agenda was the affordable housing overlay, uh, which we've talked a lot about before. Uh, this zoning proposal would allow affordable housing builders to build a little taller and denser. Uh, and so it's been refiled with some amendments by Councillors McGovern, Simmons, Toomey, and Sabrina Wheeler. Uh, we heard some public testimony from those who are pro and con about the zoning. There are lots of familiar faces and comments. and. This was, the petition was uh, referred to the Ordinance Committee for a hearing and discussion, and the co-chairs of the Ordinance Committee, Councilman McGovern and Carlin, promised they would work quickly to hold um, meetings. Um, as with any zoning petition, we have a limited amount of time to work on them before they expire. So we both look forward to the conversation, and we'll keep you posted of when um, the meetings are and report back on how they go and where we're in the process. Yeah, um, that'll be um, an interesting f- Ordinance Committee hearing. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. There are some amendments that were proposed that we will definitely be discussing. One of the other more lighthearted <laughs> items that we had on the oh, agenda yeah. was um, a, a group of West Cambridge Little League uh, players. So these are um, students and children age uh, fourth grade to, I think, seventh grade mm-hmm. that came to testify to ask us to put lights up at Glackenfield uh, for their baseball program. So currently... The West Cambridge Little League baseball program operates on the Tobin Fields, which they have three baseball fields. So three games can be happening at the same time. With the Tobin um, school reconstruction, the city has proposed moving that whole program over to Glackenfield and renovating Glackenfield from one baseball field into two, which still means there's a loss of one baseball field. So it means that... um, in order to play as many games as they need, uh, they're going to need some lights to go a little bit later. And uh, it was really cute to hear yeah. some of the students get up and talk about how, you know, it's as a former West Cambridge Little League mom, it, it does get a little dicey, especially in April um, and May where it gets dark so early and your kids are out there and they're trying to catch pop, pop flies or they're trying to bat <laughs> hit these really fastballs and you know it's getting a little dark mm-hmm. so um so they asked us to put the lights up at glackenfield um councillor mcgovern myself and uh councillor toomey and councillor nolan put in an order to ask the city to reconsider a decision that they made to wait one year they just really wanted to see the city was like well just wait a year and see if you need the lights and we're saying please mm, do it now. just do it now uh, also on the agenda was the municipal broadband feasibility study uh, a policy order that was filed by councillor nolan asking 
that the city manager undergo a feasibility study for broadband, which was a recommendation of the broadband task force and the subject of many city council orders. <laughs> Countless orders. Or, uh, and this uh, order, along with the others, is not asking the city to actually implement broadband, but merely asking that we do the study to find out what the cost would be and any other further implications. And so, yeah. Yeah, so one of the things that came up at public comment, Tina Alou from um, CEOC Cambridge, which is our a Cambridge Economic Opportunity Committee, she commented that 50 to, per- 50 to 60% of our low-income residents don't have access to broadband because they can't afford Comcast, which is our only internet provider. She said the rest uh, make really difficult choices between necessities and paying for internet services. And if we, as a kitty, <laughs> as a kitty as a committee, kitty, as a city, <laughs> it's Friday, y'all. <laughs> We're almost there. Um, if we really do care deeply about digital equity, this is a troubling and really heartbreaking statistic. We talk often about the achievement and opportunity gaps that exist in the Cambridge Public Schools. You know, we just talked about the library one. Um, this is a huge gap in outcomes. If you don't have internet at home, you know, what good is a school-issued Chromebook, you know, to use at mm-hmm. home that it requires internet? So this is an issue that runs across all spectrums of income and age. And it's something that I heard from low-income parents who worry about their kids' grades to radiologists who can't review films from home to senior citizens who really need that that connection and accessibility. And in order to make an informed decision, we just need to know how much it costs. And in order to do that, we really need to do this feasible study, feasibility study. So I... <laughs> I think we were all a little bit forceful on Monday night about just do the study and then we can all decide together whether or not to move forward. So. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I'm so glad you, we were all, what I, at the end of that the, the uh, meeting, no, that section of the meeting, you you were really forceful and it was great. You were like, I demand this. I know. It was one of those things where it was coming out of my mouth. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, but. I, I wish it, it should be a meme. It, it should be a meme. <laughs> <laughs> I demand this. <laughs> anyway, we also um, passed uh, to a second reading our incentive zoning fee, uh, or it's known as a linkage fee, which is a price per square foot of commercial space on buildings built over 30K square feet. Currently, that rate per square foot is $17.10. And this usually this goes to the Affordable Housing Trust. Uh, and so this, we raised the fee to $20.10. $20.10 per square footage as a placeholder until we discuss the recent Nexus report that has been uh, that has advised us for a possible range of where we could set that price per square foot. Yeah, so that was kind of there was a there's it was a long meeting oh, and we yeah. talked about the surveillance technology impact reports for a long time and those sort of some of them moved forward and some of them will be reviewing again um, in the public safety committee coming up soon. Um, but this coming Monday night, we actually have a couple of big items that we wanted to just shout out in case people wanted to come Monday night. So the first big one is the Fulkerson Street planned Eversource station, the Grand Junction path of the Boston property Swaparoo that is being proposed. So all right, everybody, buckle up. This is going to be a minute. This is complicated. But for our longtime listeners and lovers of all things local, this might be old news to you. But just to quickly recap. Alexandria Real Estate purchased the Metropolitan Pipe uh, property on the corner of Binney Street and Fulkerson Streets to build lab space. Eversource, on a separate uh, land transaction, bought a piece of property next to it on Fulkerson Street and across the street from the Kennedy Longfellow Elementary School. 
they wanted to put a new uh, electrical substation there to handle the increased load from Kendall Square. We, over the last two years, have had a series of very contentious meetings with Eversource um, where we <laughs> tried to get them to admit how big this new substation was going to be, um, and which they never really quite got to telling us out loud, but it was estimated to be about 120 feet tall, which is like 12 stories, in a residential neighborhood across from a school. Um, so anyways, we all freaked out, uh, the council, <laughs> the neighborhood, everyone. So we told Alexandria and the city to work with Eversource to find an alternate location for their substation. And Alexandria offered to purchase the property on Fulkerson Street from Eversource and provide it to the city as a part of their rezoning um, if they were able to find another spot. So that would be for whatever purpose we would decide on through a community process, whether it was open space mm -hmm. or affordable housing. Um, so this negotiation has been going on for months. The Alexandria real estate petition expired, um, and then they refiled it to move to give it more time for um, those parties to try to figure out a relocation plan. The petition expires for a third time um, in early March, and Monday is our last opportunity, our last city council meeting, to vote on the petition before it expires for this third time. And I should mention, as part of the Alexandria rezoning, um, they've done the parcel assemblage for what's called the Grand Junction Pathway, which is a multi-use path envisioned by the city from Gore Street in East Cambridge um, along the railroad tracks to the BU Bridge. The part of th that this rezoning would cover would be from Cambridge Street to Binney Street. And Alexandria purchased a small house on Cambridge Street across from Loyal 9, that will be a pocket park, worked with the church on the corner of Colonel Medeiros and Cambridge Street for an easement along their property, and then the rest of the stretch they already owned. So part of the Grand Junction path is built or planned, like the piece um, we've talked about on this podcast before, the piece next to Miller's River, uh, the Cambridge Housing Authority building that's being renovated right now from Gore Street to Cambridge Street was negotiated as part of that renovation. And then the piece from Cambridge to Street to Binney Street will be part of this rezoning. And part of a, a previous Boston Properties rezoning we have is a piece that's um, in the heart of Kendall Square on Galileo Galilei Way. So anyways, the big news, that's all the, <laughs> that's the background. But the big news on the agenda for Monday night is that the ne negotiations have yielded a new site for the Eversource substation to be built on a parcel of land that Boston Property owns that runs from Binney Street to Broadway where what's called the Blue Garage is. It's part of the MXD district, which is a PUD or a planned unit development in Kendall Square. So basically, Boston Properties found us the space, but will require an upzoning for additional commercial space in the future. This is good news, since as of last week, I wasn't sure, we weren't sure if this mm -hmm. was ever going to come to fruition. Um, but on the agenda Monday, on Monday night, there are letters from the city manager, from Eversource, from Alexandria Real Estate, Boston Properties, and the Cambridge Redevelopment Authority discussing the potential plan and its implications so that we can all make an informed decision on Monday night. As I said in the last meeting about we had about this, uh, you know, we knew that no property owner was just going to magnanimously hand Eversource a piece of property in Kendall Square without wanting something for it. Um, now we know, I guess, what that looks like, and we can all vote accordingly. So stay tuned on that. Um, that's it. <laughs> I'm done talking. <laughs> Are you still you with us, guys? <laughs> when you said, wake up. <laughs> when you brought the PUD up, I was, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, so we also have another piece of uh, good news uh, on the agenda Monday night, something I've been working on very hard for the last uh, few years uh, with the city leadership and staff and, and the affordable housing trust. Uh, 
which is the um, the preservation of the, our fresh pond apartments, uh, specifically 364 and 362. And I grew up in 364. Um, they have they have been in jeopardy because of the their expiring properties. Uh, there's about 504 units, about 300 are Section 8 uh, units, and I'm happy to report that HUD has renewed those. Good. And so uh, there's about 100 or so uh, that, um, a little bit more, that uh, are something called below market interest units, and that kind of subsidy is just no longer around, and it's expiring December 31st, 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's where the city steps in and basically we have to buy the affordability from the owner to keep the, the those units affordable mm-hmm. um, and from not expiring. So th- th- that the good news is this year is that we're doing it and we've, we've come up with some numbers and it'll be, it'll be, I think, was it 15 million? It's 15 million to start, but okay. then um, it's going to be probably in total. Um, there's going to be probably 40 million. Okay. Um, but that, I think the rule that's going to be coming from free cash and oh, other things. I see, I see. Okay, yeah. So there's still a lot to be done on this, but it is. It took a while to get to the owner to get to the table and come to a number, and yeah, everyone's yeah. been playing this very close to their chest. And right. I know you've been working so hard on this. I know it's so again another thing that's near and dear to your heart since you grew up in one of the buildings. Yeah. That no thanks. Yeah, I, I'm excited. There's a lot more work this year that has to happen. Um, but I'm excited to be doing it. So it's one of the reasons kind of why um, I'm, you know, why I kind of ran, too. I knew this was coming up eminently. Uh, and I know you hold regular Friday yes. night um, information nights with yeah. pizza on coffee, Orange Towers. Coffee hours. I do pizza hours Because people there. have been really stressed, very, very anxious about this. So it, I'm sure it's been really nice to have someone continue oh, to yeah. come back and talk to them about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned. All right. Well, thank you for all your leadership on that issue. I, I will stay tuned. Um, another thing that happened last night, there was an unveiling of a new building on the site of the former Constellation Center at 585 Third Street in Kendall Square. So this was supposed to be a major performing art space in the heart of Kendall Square, and it never quite came to cr- fruition. And the owner, unfortunately, sold to Biomed Realty to redevelop the parcel with the understanding that there would be some, you know, there needed to be a significant arts portion of the building. So Biomed Realty has been working deeply in the community and came, they actually came to every task force meeting um, that we held, um, you know, last year to understand what the arts community needs and to continue to need to be successful. So I actually, I saw the presentation yesterday morning. I know they unveiled Mm -hmm. it last night to the, the larger community. I was impressed by the initial version of what could be there, which includes around 50,000 square feet of arts and community space. And a plan to staff the art space for optimal programming. So they're they're calling this person, you know, the mayor of the art yep. space, um, which is really exciting because I think you can't just have a space and just hope that stuff happens. Right. Um, so there's a um, currently in the plan. There's a 300 seat theater that can be a multidisciplinary space, and a smaller 150 seat space um, theater, as well as places throughout the building that can be used for smaller performances. There are recording studios and community art spaces, etc. They have a large area for community events like indoor movie nights and winter market areas and others. And Biomed has actually been programming a small space at 500 Kendall and testing out concepts um, largely around the arts to see what it takes to program the space for many different art disciplines and community events. So another thing that um, I thought was really interesting about it is they um, are not having a natural gas hookup, even though it's, a, it's planned for a lab space. 
Really? They're going to use steam. Huh. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And I think, you know, watching that moving forward and trying to figure out, are there other opportunities in Kendall where we can not use gas? Because the, you know, there has been some conversations around lab space specifically needing natural gas. Yeah. And there's been all these exemptions. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Especially in In Brookline and in other cities. So, um, What's interesting about that space is it's like literally right over where the steam comes out. Mm-hmm. So it would, you know, it's, huh. a, it's a natural first space for that. The other thing about that parcel is, I don't know if <laughs> I was talking to my husband last night about this and he's like, oh yeah, I totally forgot. There's an Eversource part in the very, like running along Third Street. It was like this tiny little house and it's like a little station. Um, and w- as part of their proposal, they're actually, they found another spot for that mm-hmm. and they're going to move it so that what you will see right on third street will be friendly and open to the community and um, that's really exciting so i look forward there's obviously a long way to go on this um through the rezoning process but i from first glance i'm I'm, it looks like i saw some pictures so i'm excited and like i said they've really been deeply into the community and and promising that art space so it's actually nice to have some good arts news Right. Because we just keep losing so many. And mm-hmm. so to adding the space, I think, feels really good. Good, good. Yeah. So what else did we do this weekend or this week? We went, uh, we both were at the Black History Month event at City Hall um, on Wednesday night uh, where the post office unveiled a new uh, postage stamp of Gwen Eiffel. And, uh, and we had a presentation by Dr. Manisha Sinha. Which, by the way, I just stopped at Harvard Bookstore. You got it? No, they're out. <gasps> okay. So now I have to figure out where to get one. <coughs> yeah i want to buy one i know she kept talking about her book i was like I all right all right i'll buy it, it. basically <laughs> on the role of black women in the suffrage movement it was really really i learned a lot i think didn't you i did and i was funny i was saying that to her that we've actually been i feel like i've been to a million talks i've read a million books i've i've been research, researching this issue of african-american women and the suffrage movement <laughs> i learned like 10 things the right night that yeah, I didn't yeah. even know, and just and she was really she funny, was funny too, and she yeah. was just like talking and didn't have like any how did notes? people do that? I'm like what? Uh, and then just back to Glenn, um, uh, Gwen, I feel she was. If you don't know, she was a American journalist, television new- newscaster, and author. And she, in 1999, she became the first woman of African American descent to host a nationally televised uh, U.S. public affairs program uh, called uh, Washington Week in Review. So, I bought those stamps. And you, you should too. I everyone should buy them. I guess they're they're selling out fast. Yeah, and you got like a nice plaque. I got a plaque. I, so you know, fun. unveiled the stamp. Oh, I, no, like, I got oh. such a good picture of you unveiling the stamp. Oh, you did. I did. Can you send it to me? Well, I didn't. Um, your very nice chief of staff. My new chief of staff. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Madeline McCormick. Yay! <laughs> she got it on my phone. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, here, take my phone. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, there was also a DVD and DV Domestic Violence Initiative five-year anniversary right before that event that I uh, went to. And it was amazing. Congrats to um, Liz Speakman and all those um, involved in the Domestic and Gender-Based Violence Prevention Initiative. Um, Rep Decker has really been instrumental in, in shaping this. And um, it was great to hear from, from Transition House as well. And and they they did a great they had a speed dating speed meeting sorry not dating poster session I was like I <laughs> I was there I didn't you were there yeah I, I missed oh you. okay okay you missed the beginning yep. or I would have announced you uh, so there were a lot of members of the community there with posters and uh, talking about the work they've done around this topic it was great yeah I um I missed the speed dating and the speed <laughs> poster <laughs> yes yes 
But it is amazing to see all the people that are working on this particular issue oh, gathered in one space. It touches so many people, elder, elders, elder you know, our, mm-hmm. our communities of color uh, in, in Cambridge. And it's, it's a lot. It's great. Uh, tomorrow, are you around? Uh, there's the Taste of Carnival. Uh, it's a special event. and It's not the annual festival and parade. Uh-uh. That date is September 13th, 2020. I liked that you just yelled at me. <laughs> I'm so sorry I yelled. <laughs> this is not. The viewers are like, what's wrong with this? I just wanted to make it clear, you know? Yeah, this isn't, it's not replacing that event. It's just actually an ancillary event. Um, so it's an indoor community festival celebrating the Caribbean and African diaspora and offering a taste of what to expect in the annual Caribbean festival in Cambridge. This is a family-friendly event and will be showcasing Caribbean culture and pride and features cultural performances, Caribbean food vendors, arts and craft vendors, music, dancing, a costume showcase. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Um, so this event will take place in the Central Square Cultural District um, tomorrow, which is very exciting. There's a few sessions. So there's a 12 to 3 and 4 to 7 at the Christian Life Center, which is at 85 Bishop Allen Drive. But for more information and tickets, you can check um, Facebook. Facebook um, has all the information, but you can also visit www.cambridgecarnival.org. Um, I encourage everyone to go. It's supposed to be really cold again tomorrow, so an inside family-friendly event sounds good. Are you going? I actually have plans, unfortunately. Mm. I, I might be able to go to the later of... <laughs> I'm going to be... I think I'm going to take my mom. I love she was her. like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. A few days. I haven't seen you since the last time we went to the Christian Life Center <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> Five the, hours at the, long. At the yeah. NAACP breakfast. I am. I'm actually, before the carnival, guess what I'm doing? What? I'm doing the first annual winter bike ride. It's happening tomorrow. You are? I know. I know. I don't. Do you have a bike? They have free, free boo bikes. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it starts at Alewife at nine a.m. Oh my god! And then you're somebody, please take pictures <laughs> of this. And then there's like you stop at like high rise, and there's like well, a coffee shop. That would be the last place you go. You'll and be like, I'll peace out, everybody. I'll be just be here <laughs> eating my brick. <laughs> I know. And then it ends at Lamplighter. Oh yeah. So you should. Oh, oh, you have plans. But I was like, you know what? I should. They they were like, we'd love for you to come. And I was like, hmm. Okay, I kind of want to sleep in, but I, <laughs> I will go. <laughs> I, will, I, I just bought a ton of spinning classes, so I was like, oh. Anyway, I'm planning to go. If you'd like to join me, everyone, meet me at LOIF at 9 for the or winter. At, or at or, Lamplighter. At, <laughs> you, it actually says you can just come to Lamplighter. Oh, I bet. Yep. <laughs> what time will you be there? Is the Lamplighter part? It's at like 12. Oh, okay. Or no, like 11 something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you at some event last night where you were with... UN dignitaries yes, or EU dignitaries? Yes, I was. What yes. was that? It was on surveillance and our, the, uh, our, our surveillance policy. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of did you th- present? Um, it was it was Cade Crawford. Oh, okay, and then okay. Will Durbin who did a presentation, and then did um, the police do one too? I don't think so. I left early. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But yes, and then I missed the girls' night. I know. Were you there? I was not. I was in meetings so late last night. I really, I was bummed out. I know. Louis was like, you're not going to go. I was like, I, I'm literally going from this meeting that's happening right now during the girls' sports night to another meeting. I would have totally, I just, I had no, anyway. <clears throat> so many competing meetings. Well, you can only be in so many places. There's not two of us. I know. Yeah. We could just clone ourselves. <laughs> All right. So um, today, back to reality. Today is the last day for early voting in the presidential primary. So beat the rush. We have um, early voting in six places around the city. 
the Election Commission at 51 Inman Street, the Water Department on Freshman Parkway, City Hall Basement in Central Square, the Main Library at 449 Broadway, Police Headquarters on 6th Street, and the O'Neill Library. All information can be found at www.cambridgema.gov slash early voting. And speaking of the primary, there are watch parties across the city uh, on Tuesday. We will be in a housing committee meeting and can't join you, but one that sounds fun is being held at Atwoods on Cambridge Street in Wellington, Harrington. It is in conjunction with an interview series with WBUR, and so they will have a lineup of political analysts, reporters, and supporters to talk through what's happening while it's happening. Um, So dinner and drinks are served all night. Admission is free. Uh, That seems like such a fun way uh, to watch the election results come in um, with some WBUR personalities and some analysts. And uh, I I hope that our housing committee hearing gets out a little early so that we can attend at least some watch parties. And I'll be at a school committee meeting. Oh, dear. <sighs> okay, well, that's <laughs> us for the week. That's us for the week. Like we said, there's some big things on the agenda for Monday night. If you do want to sign up to speak, you can go on to the city council website, and there is a um, an online sign-up to do so. You can speak for three minutes on any topic. Um, we will be heading off right now, actually, to the Grandma Park School to speak to some third graders about food insecurity. We sure will. And we will report back uh, next week and let you know how it went. So everybody have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy your bike ride somble. <laughs> <laughs> and go to the Cambridge Carnival and vote early. And uh, Bye. Bye, everyone.